0: This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit RedemptionAZ.com. That's Acts chapter 9, verses 20 to 31. And it reads like this. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by, Proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, and they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea Caesarea, and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. You may be seated. Bless your name. Bless your name, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. So so if, you, if you're if new with us and, you, and, and you're visiting, we've been trekking through the book of Acts and, and we are going at it slowly so that we can get every morsel that God has for us through this book. And even though we're going to take an entire year to unpack it, we still won't get every morsel because God is unexhaustible, right? So let me just catch you up to speed to where we're at right now. See, Christ, he, he had died, and then he, he raised again. And after he raised again, he was meeting with his disciples. And, and, and he says, listen, I'm about to ascend. And, I, and when I ascend, I'm going to send to you my spirit. He's, 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 he's sending them on a mission, and he's telling them, I'm going to send you my spirit so you could do the work that I called you to do. So Christ had been living and moving through the early church. And as he's living, moving, walking, breathing through the church, and he's continuing the mission that he was doing, continuing his, his ministry through the church, the church started to blossom, to, to bloom, to grow. There was great growth in the church. like People were getting saved by the thousands. The gospel was being proclaimed and it was confirmed with, with signs and wonders and miracles. And right next to the kingdom of God that was, that was blossoming and growing, also the kingdom of Satan was growing. Like the more the church grew, the more opposition, opposition to the church grew. The more the church became known, the more the gospel got preached, the more haters was hating. Mm. And at the same time, the more the church grew, the more the need to raise leaders up in the church grew because it was getting big and, and the apostles was running everything by themselves and the Lord was showing them, hey, we, we, we need to raise up more leaders like you to do these things here inside the church. So, so it's, it's growing in numbers, it's growing in, in leaders, it's growing with the abundance of haterade and all that type of stuff. Then one day, all this, this this growth collides with one another. One day, all this growth collides with one another when when the opposition to the to the growth of the church kills one of the leaders raised up in the church. That's when Stephen became the first martyr of the church. Now, when the opposition kills Stephen, they start to show this. This respect and and honor by, by the laying down of their cloaks to the feet of the person that was in authority inside the room. That was a man by the name of Saul, the one that was like, yeah, get him. And then after this, this dude, Saul, and like, like, and, and, and if you read that passage, Stephen went in when he preached before he died. He's like, man, I'm about to die anyhow. I'm about to let them have it. And he gives them the gospel so deeply. And then they murder him. They like, they stone him to death. And after this... This dude saw he goes on this crazy rampage with the church seeking after people he gets like 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 permission from the government to go ahead and hunt down those that was calling themselves Christian and professing the name of Jesus and and kills him. And one day he's on his way to the road, on on the way to Damascus, on the road to Damascus, on his way with his entourage of people to, to confront and kill Christians, and then he bucks up into Jesus himself. Jesus confronts him and converts him. This is where we're at today. Last week, we covered that part. Today, we we start to see what happens after this conversion with this guy by the name of Saul and how he starts to live this thing out. So, So starting at 20, it said, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. Now, two things that confirm the work and baptism of the Spirit in Paul was, one, that he saw Jesus as God. Because it takes the work of the Holy Spirit for you to see Jesus as God, for you to believe that this guy that got murdered and killed and hung out to dry actually came back alive three days later and is still running things. It took the Holy Spirit for him to see that. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is that immediately he started going in. You see this, this this thing that we're hearing a lot about those that became indwelt with the Spirit was boldness. Then in 21 through 22 it says, and all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them down before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now, Paul was well-known and respected. Like, amongst all the Pharisees, they all knew who Paul was. The church, they, they knew who Paul was. Like, his reputation preceded him. When they heard that Paul was in town, they... It also was in town is like, man, I heard of this dude. Like, this dude was someone that was well-known amongst people. His name carried weight outside of the church and caused concern and fear inside of the church. He was at the height of his career. He wasn't just washed up has-been. He was someone that was well-respected. You see it in what happened with, with Stefan? And even as his ministry starts and people start to hear about him, they all have the same response. I heard about him. He's at the height of his career, and now he's saved. Like, imagine if one of... Of the largest names that you could think of outside of the church got saved, right? Imagine that. And, and, and we used to like dream about that back in the day. Just dream about like imagine if this person, what if Tom Hanks? Like people <laughs> like, I was cast away from Jesus. Man. Like, like we would just think about it. Like, like imagine if these big name people was to was to get saved. And we, we would just sit back waiting. Wait, like, like if one of these big known people got saved, we would just sit back waiting with the doors of the church open for tons of people to just flock in because this name guy got saved. I remember a few years back when Michael Jackson was was alive and, and there was um I was talking with a group of musicians that I know and they were so excited because they was they was looking forward to this time that they was going to be hanging out with him and they were just prepping and preparing themselves like you understand brother this is going to be just such an opportunity for the lord right And I was like, all right, cool, cool. Man, it is going to be an opportunity. And they were so amped because they were like, man, we're going to preach the gospel to him. He's going to get saved. They were like, yo, imagine all the people that are going to get saved once Michael Jackson gets saved. I'm like, all right. All right. I'm like, you do know that if those people get saved, they would have been getting saved for Michael Jackson, not Jesus, right? They're like, nah, but the Lord is going to do this work. Like, we we think like that, but but we look at this and it's like, like, it doesn't say massive people got saved just because the person saw was now saved. It doesn't say that. Like, nobody was like, oh, what, Pearl, Paul got saved? Oh, I'm getting saved too. Nobody was doing that. Instead, he was met with skepticism from the church and persecution from outside the church. Like, persecution from the same dude that he was Not just running with, leading. The same dude that was looking up to him, waiting for his cue, was now the same dude that wanted to murk him. It said that people was amazed when they heard who he was and that he had gotten saved. Like, wow, wow, he he got saved? But it didn't say anyone became believers because because of it. It's important to understand to understand these things. Like in twenty two, it says, "But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ." See, all the things that we think should have been should have made it easy for him, they was now all against him. All the things, his, 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 fame, and the fact that people knew him and the fact that he had all this clout and, and all his education. He, all those things that that should have made it easy, should have made it for easy for people to come to the Lord because of him. They was all now working against him. Like the only bargaining chip he had inside of his corner was. That he was proving that Jesus was the Christ. Proving that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. That was the only bargaining chip he had in his corner. It's that he, he grew in strength. That means that he grew in Holy Spirit boldness and confidence. And he used that boldness and confidence to prove Christ. That's why we're given the Holy Spirit to prove Christ. That's why we're given the Holy Spirit for the boldness to to prove Christ in our proclamation of the gospel and to prove Christ through how we live our life, how we serve as husbands and wives and parents, to prove Christ how we live in the communities and jobs that God has put us in. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. 23 to 25 reads like this. And when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall lowering him in a basket. Not only did his bold proclamation start immediately but Christ's call for Saul to suffer for his name also started immediately it was a complete lifestyle change for him he went from leading an entourage of people that that was walking with him to, to come and persecute Christians to being a Christian and hiding in a basket from persecution himself See, most of us we want to be passionate for Christ, but with minimal side effects on the comforts of our life. We want minimal suffering. We try to do as much damage control as we can because I want to have best of both worlds. Most of us are like, man, I want to like I really want to go hard for Christ. I just don't want this right here to be messed up. I don't want I don't want my comfort to be. I don't want to be hiding in a basket. I want to still walk through the same entourage. Last week, the Lord told Ananias, "Like I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake." And, and it just showed, like, man, like, Paul had this calling of suffering on his life. But listen, Christ's call for Paul to suffer wasn't, wasn't this unique thing for Paul, though. It wasn't just like, all right, all right y'all going y'all gonna to walk in blessings, and y'all going to walk in victory, and y'all going to do this, and you, you're going you're gonna to walk in suffering. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was more like, welcome to the family. This is what we walk in. Suffering. It was that was like a welcome gift. Ah, uh-huh, you saved now. Oh, hey, you get what we all got—suffering. <laughs> he wasn't the only person going through it. They was hair hurting everybody. But we want to. We want to enter into Christ with the foolish notion that we that entering into Christ isn't entering into suffering at the same time. Like the moment he made up his mind that he was going to put on flesh, he started entering into suffering. And we becoming one with him, enter into the same suffering that he entered into. It was instead, he was saying, I'm going to show you how much you are going, you're called to suffer too." 26 through 30. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to him how on the road he he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out amongst them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly. In the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned, they brought him down to Caesarea. Woo! Took me two services to get it, but got it. Thank you, Noah. Love you, bro. Christ often confirms his work through the testimonies of others. That's why we brought people up today just to to testify of the work of God even yesterday because that's what Christ does often. He he is part of just building up the community where where brothers and sisters confirm the thing that they've, they've seen God doing in each other. So while these disciples are like, man, but I heard this dude be, be killing people, Barnabas steps up and like, let me, let me testify. And then Barnabas makes these, these two points in his, in his confirming of, of, of what he's seen inside of him. He, he confirms the genuineness of Saul's conversion by describing that he had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had spoken to him. That's one thing. And then two, he asserts that In Damascus, Paul had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. What Barnabas is confirming is that that Paul had had a genuine encounter with Jesus. See, this is what we need here. Like, you can't teach a genuine encounter with Jesus. You can't read a genuine encounter with Jesus. You can't do that. You need Jesus to buck up into you face-to-face the same way he did with Saul so you can have a genuine encounter with him. That's what we need. Like We need genuine relationship with him. We need to know him as our God, as our Savior, as our friend, as our brother, and know that he's there all the time. We need this genuine encounter with our Lord. And Barnabas was like, yeah, he had one of those. Not only that he had one of those, he was like, and I actually saw Jesus' spirit at work in and through him. Confirming the same thing that 100% of the time happens when people become involved by the spirit. They, they start to walk in boldness. So he's like, no, he had a genuine encounter with Jesus. The proof is he started to walk in boldness afterwards. That's what he's saying to them because he knows that they identify with that because they was walking in the same spirit. So basically, he's like, we got to be able to discern spirits. He's saying to them, I discern the same spirit that we all have in him. I seen him walking in it. Paul displayed the same spirit. And when, and when, and when Barnabas told him that, he started doing the same thing. He started walking in and out amongst the people, preaching boldly, and at the same thing they said Jesus was doing. Ironically, ironically, he finds himself debating with the Hellenists. Now, the Hellenists was the, the same sect of, of Jews that Stephen was from. And as a matter of fact, the same sect of Jews that killed Stephen at Saul's approval. Now, Saul himself is debating with them. They were Jews that were brought up in this Greek environment, so they were Greek-speaking Jews. 31, it says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. It was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now, don't get it twisted. Just because they said the church had peace doesn't mean there was peace all around them. We just walked through this text. There was persecution all around them. That's why Paul was in a basket. (laughs) Not because there was peace. It was peace, jump in a basket. (laughs) Nah, man. Cass was out to mark them. That was what was going on all around them. The thing is that in the midst of that, they still had Peace. That's what he's saying. The church had peace. There was intense persecution, yet still they had peace. This peace was a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. The Spirit was working in them and through them. And one of the fruits of, of, of the Spirit or, 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 or an expression of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Tim Keller defines this Peace as meaning a confidence and rest in the wisdom and control of God rather than in yourself. That's what that peace was. Chaos is going on all around. It's not a... His life all around. Chaos is going on all around us. Peace is in the midst of chaos, in the midst of tension, in the midst of trying to pay my bills, in the midst of, of, of arguments with your spouse, in the midst of kids acting crazy. We want to push, push, in the midst of all these type of things. You choose not to go push, push because there's this peace. And confidence and rest in the wisdom and control of God rather than yourself. In the face of tension and persecution, the church was being built up and multiplied. That's what it said. When it says built up, it meant that they were growing in maturity. That's what they meant. When he said built up, it was growing in maturity. They were becoming mature. And it was growing in numbers. Another work of the Spirit. Then it says, and I love this part. They were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you rarely see the words fear and comfort walking hand in hand. Like, normally, fear means discomfort Never ah oh man I have so much fear so I'm comfortable. You never see that stuff happening. No 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 you don't you don't see that. But but when the fear is of respect and knowledge and love of the God of creation and the comfort is knowing that he is in complete control of all things and that he loves you deeply, not just that, but that he's living inside of you. Ah, that's when, when, when fear and comfort walk hand in hand because that fear doesn't mean scared of. The Bible says fear is the beginning of knowledge. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So it means that they was growing in their knowledge and their understanding of who Jesus is. And they was walking in that respect of his authority with full knowledge of his deep love for them. The band could come up now. That's what he was walking in. And that's what God is calling us to walk in. To walk, like I love it, it said that they was walking in it. It doesn't say that they were standing in it. It doesn't say that they were just, it said that they was walking in it. This means that they was being active and they was going about the thing that the Spirit of God was leading them to do. That's what they was doing. They was living on a mission. They was living with this intentional purpose. And as they were walking to and fro and doing the things God was calling them to do. It was walking in the fear and knowledge of who God was. And it was comforted in the Holy Spirit, trusting him. This is what God had called us into. This is what God had called us into as believers in him. To walk in the fear of who he is. And at the same time, the comfort of who he is. And that's where we find this peace, because you know that he is in complete control of everything, every single thing. Listen.